You're listening to the Gate Church Podcast. For more information or to support this ministry, please visit thegate.org. Awesome. So we've been going through First and Second Peter, going through a series through First and Second Peter, and as I was preparing my message this week, it was going fine, but then I just kind of felt like, um, I think we're going to talk about something else this morning. So we're going to take a break. It is it is a long weekend. It's about taking a break. So we're going to take a break from uh, First and Second Peter, our series. And we're going to talk about a different topic this morning. We're just going to keep it light and maybe even shorter this morning. Who knows? Uh, or longer. <laughs> um, though it is still in the same spirit of uh, Apostle Peasel. Apostle Peter's letters, uh, you could say, and and what I mean is that the reason that Peter wrote these letters, right, is to encourage uh, the Christians to persevere, right, and to encourage them to stay true to the living hope and faith that they've been given through Jesus Christ. And so it's about encouragement, right? And so that's what I want to talk about this morning, encouragement, and uh, how important it is uh, and how awesome it is that it's happening in this church and why we need even more of it in this church. We need to be encouraging each other. So if you want to turn with me to Hebrews 10, 24 to 25, then go ahead and do that. It'll also be up there. Um, Hebrews 10, 24 to 25. It says, and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we could be here today, Lord. I thank you for all of those that aren't here this morning, Lord, whether they're camping or on holidays or visiting family, Lord. That I pray that you would bless them and that your presence would be with them, Lord. And, and uh, if they're going to churches this morning, that, that they would be a blessing to those congregations, Lord God. And I thank you for this congregation. I thank you for this church and for the people here. And, um, yeah, that you would continue to work in us and in our hearts and that... Um, we would continue to grow into who you've called us to be, Lord. I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Awesome. So why encourage? Why, why do we need to encourage each other? Well, encouragement is actually integral to who we are. In fact, it's one of the most prominent and necessary elements of a Christ-like community. And we can actually see its importance uh, throughout the New Testament. Uh, for example, we can see it being displayed in many introductions of the Apostles' letters, especially uh, Pauline letters, and especially throughout Acts, where we, we see the followers of Christ were constantly meeting together and encouraging each other, just as it says in, in that Hebrews verse there that we read, and they're encouraging each other in the faith. And of course, we read throughout the New Testament as well that they, and therefore we, were also continually instructed to encourage one another as well. First Thessalonians 5.11 says, Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. Hebrews 3.13 says, But encourage one another daily as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. So it's not hard to see that there's a, a lot of emphasis and weight being put, put on, uh, on the, the, this idea of building one another up and encouraging one another and not just in a while, it says, but daily, as long as it is called today, we should be encouraging one another. And, it, and its importance should come as no surprise, because I think most of us, hopefully most of us, or hopefully all of us, know and have experienced that truth, that, that even just one word, just one word of encouragement, 
you know, can, can remind us who we are in Christ. It can motivate us or inspire us to move forward in faith. It can change our outlook and perspective in, in hard times. Or it can change our mood, right? It can cheer us up. And uh, it can keep us from giving up or falling into sin or depression or laziness or, or jealousy or self-pity or doubt or whatever. Encouragement among Christians can, can spur us on to live out the life that God's called us to live. And it can remind us or make us realize that we're valued and significant within the body of Christ. It can build up our faith and gifts or give us that extra boost of of boldness and perseverance through challenging times. And ultimately, when we're encouraged, it inspires us to encourage others as well. So encouragement does a lot of things. It's important. It's not only good, but it's vital for our faith. Right, for example, in moments of doubt, you know, having a Christian brother or sister remind us of God's faithfulness and stand firm in it, it can turn us around, right? In moments of, of trial and hardship, right, encouragement can point us to the strengths we've been given in Christ to persevere. And, and, and the encouragement can, can be like, like lifting a weight off of somebody, right? In moments that require great faith, a word of encouragement can get us to move. So again, encouraging one another in the faith is vital for the church. And it's one of the many reasons that we're not called to be Christians on our own. We're not called to do this thing by ourselves. But we're called to walk in faith together as the body. As the verse I read says, don't fail to meet together. The opposite of failing to meet together is encouraging one another. And God is a God of encouragement as well. And we're to be his hands and feet in that regard. We need each other to pray for one another, to spur one another on into what God's calling us in. We need each other to remain steadfast in our walk with Christ. Because encouragement not only helps us finish the race, but it ensures us that we finish the race well. So obvious then it, obviously then it's important that, that both leaders and members in a growing church or ministry are those who meet together often and encourage one another often. So we know it's important. I've hammered that. I've hammered that point down now. But what does it look like to encourage? How do we encourage one another in the faith? Good question, Pastor Greg. One of the best examples for us in the Bible of a Christ-centered encourager that we're going to learn from this morning is a man named Joseph the Levite. And he was known among the early church as Barnabas, and his name actually means son of encouragement. So it seems like he got his nickname based on the fact that he's an encourager. And so we're going to be learning from him and using him him as our example of what it looks like to be a Christ-centered encourager this morning. And the hope and plan is that as we discover through his actions and, and through his life, uh, as we discover what the principles and characteristics of an encourager are, then we'll be challenged, and yes, encouraged, to do the same among each other. And so this is actually the passage we're going to be learning from this morning, Acts eleven nineteen to 30. So we're going to read that. It says, Now those who were scattered because of the persecution that arose over Stephen... Stephen was martyred for his faith, so everyone's freaking out. So they're all scattered around, and they traveled as far as Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, speaking the word to no one except Jews. 
But there were some of them, men of Cyprus and Cyrene, who on coming to Antioch spoke to the Hellenists, also preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number who believed turned to the Lord. The report of this came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he came and saw the grace of God, he was glad, and he exhorted them all to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose. For he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. And a great many people were added to the Lord. So Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. And when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch. For a whole year they met with the church and taught a great many people. And in Antioch the disciples were first called Christians. Now in these days prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch, and one of them, named Agabus, stood up and foretold by the Spirit that there would be a great famine over all the world. This took place in the days of Claudius. So the disciples determined, everyone according to his ability, to send relief to the brothers living in Judea. And they did so, sending it to the elders by the hand of Barnabas and Saul. So we're going to look at Barnabas here, and we're going to look at seven characteristics uh, of a Christian encourager. So number one, a Christian encourager is rooted in Jesus and is spirit-filled. It says in Acts 11.24 again, For Barnabas was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith, and a great many people were added to the Lord. So the heart to encourage that we see in Barnabas clearly comes from being rooted in Christ and through the power of the Holy Spirit, right? Faith and divine power. So therefore, only when we're rooted in Christ and led by his spirit, will we be able to, to see and treat others the way that, that Christ sees and treats us. Right? As more than just sinners. As more than our mistakes. You know, as, as Henry was saying uh, earlier, right? Just we're, we're more than, than our actions. We're more than our behaviors. God knows who we actually are and who we're meant to be. And so, if we're in Christ, and we'll be able to see each other in that same way. And try to pull that out of each other, right? And also when we're satisfied in Christ... That's when we'll truly be able to take our eyes off of ourselves and on the pursuit of our own glory so that we can lift others up instead. You know, on the other hand, if, if, if we're just trying to encourage one another in our own strength, we're going to burn out. If we're trying to encourage each other to make people like us or to make God like us, we're going to burn out. Just like the greeters at Walmart, right? We're going to eventually just, at the end of the day, it's like, this is exhausting. So for... So if we're not encouraging, if you're not an encourager, or if encouraging others is hard for you or difficult for you, then this is where we need to start and surrender to Jesus. Let him lift you up so that you can lift others up. All right, number two, an encourager, a Christian encourager is selfless and compassionate. Acts eleven twenty-five to 26, it says, So Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. And when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch. For a whole year they met with the church and taught a great many people. And in Antioch, the disciples were first called Christians. So we have to think, like, everything was going well for Barnabas here, right? He was promoted to, to lead this church in Antioch, and everything's going well, and, 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 and people are getting saved, lives are being changed. This was his moment in the limelight. Yet we can see that he was uninterested in building his own empire, 
right? As he decides to go seek out Saul and say, hey, hey, this is a great opportunity for Saul. And so he goes and finds him and brings him into leadership, which means that an encourager is able to and excited to selflessly rejoice in the success of others. Philippians 2, 3 says, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. So an encourager does that. You can't be an encourager if you're not doing that. An encourager sacrifices time, resources, emotions, and position to lift others up or to create opportunity for others. Right? Barnabas, he traveled all the way from Tarsus to Antioch. Antioch to Tarsus, Tarsus to Antioch, right? 243 kilometers one way. So this is probably a four-week trip at the minimum there and back in those days. Right? For us now, it's like a two-and-a-half-hour trip. But for them walking, a four-week trip, so a whole month. He gave up a month of his life so that Saul could, could have an opportunity would any of us give up a month of, of our lives to give someone an opportunity to take the position that we currently have? I don't know. What an encouragement to Saul, though, right? What an encouragement to Saul. It's no wonder that Saul, or Paul, whatever you want to call him, is so encouraging in his letters because he had a guy like Barnabas encouraging him right off the bat at the beginning of his ministry. So an encourager is selfless and compassionate. Number three, a Christian encourager is promoted. A Christian encourager is promoted. Acts 11.22, right? Barnabas was chosen. Why do we think he was chosen? Because God promotes the humble. It's when we deeply care about the success of others above our own. That's when we're qualified to lead them. Right? Jesus said, the greatest among you will be servant of all. Ultimately, Jesus was talking about himself. But we draw from his example, right? The greatest among you will be servant of all. In other words, those who are climbing the ladder and trying to push their way to the top, no matter how good they are at theology or speaking or creating vision strategies or filling the seats, they aren't fit for leadership in the church. And for some reason, our culture keeps putting those people in leadership in the church. But those leaders are leaders who, 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 who lead and gather followers for their own glory. But in contrast to that, as we've seen with Barnabas, he gave up position, he gave up money, he gave up time, he gave up his energy. The list goes on, right? He made himself the least in order to see others and ultimately Jesus lifted up above himself. That's Christ-like leadership. That's why he was chosen, because he's an encourager a selfless encourager. That's why he was promoted. And again, we can see that this quality is often exemplified in the way, the way the apostles lead, in the way Jesus leads, and is a quality of those chosen by God uh, throughout the New Testament to, to teach and minister and exhort others. Again, complainers and critics, along with the selfish or self-promoters, those seeking places of power or glory for themselves, are those thinking that they can do better will or should always be found on the sidelines in a healthy church. Which leads us to the next, the next part here. Number four, a Christian encourager sees the positives and the potential 
in others. Acts 9, 26 to 27. This is kind of a prequel of the passage we read. It says, and when Saul first came to Jerusalem, he attempted to join the disciples and they were all afraid of him for they did not believe that he was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles and declared to them how on the road he had seen the Lord who spoke to him and how at Damascus he had preached boldly in the name of Jesus. We all know that it's much easier to find faults in people, to judge people, to be a critic, right? It's much easier to do those things than encourage others and find, find the good and the potential in others, right? But encouragers can, can see the good. Encouragers can draw out the potential in others. In other words, just like Jesus does for us, an encourager looks at people according to who God's calling them to be. Not necessarily for who they are in that moment, or for the mistakes they're making in that moment, but for who God's calling them and created them to become. Right? Everyone saw Saul as the enemy still. Saul's like, look, I'm I'm a Christian, I'm a believer now. I want to be among you. And they're all afraid of him. They're like, no. But Barnabas was the one that went to Saul and brought him to the apostles and says, no, give this guy a chance. The Lord appeared to him. He's the only one who did. He saw in Paul who God had called him to be. An encourager, and an, and an encourager not only sees that, but he also declares it and calls it out to that person and also to others. And lets other, others know about this person. Right? To encourage someone face-to-face is one thing, but to tell a whole crowd that this person is awesome is another altogether. And this is what, this is what Barnabas did for Paul. And I want to I point out, though, that, that we also need to be realistic and truthful in our encouragements. Um, I say that because I think it's tempting to lie to make someone feel better, right? I think, like, as pa- parents would see this all the time, right? Or, or if you're babysitting a kid or something and they, and they draw a picture and they bring it to you and they're like, isn't this the best picture ever? And you're like, yeah. You know, like, it's, uh, it's really good. You know, like, we, we don't want to discourage them, but we don't want to, like, you know, lie to them either, right? Um, but especially for something like if we're encouraging each other in the church, right? If someone can't sing or they sing really flat and you go up to them and you're like, oh man, you're an amazing singer. You should be on American Idol. You should be leading worship, all that stuff. What's going to happen to that person, right? They're going to have this false sense of confidence. They're going to go on American Idol and embarrass themselves. They're going to sing in front of the church and embarrass themselves, right? And, and that's not going to turn out very well. So we need to be careful. I mean, there's worse situations than that. I've, I've, I've seen someone where they're prophesied over and they're like, oh, this, you're supposed to go serve in this ministry so they like sold everything and they went and went to this ministry and the, and the ministry was like we don't need your help right and they gave up their whole life for this and so we need to be careful in our encouragements to one another not to lie to one another but to but to actually see the potential in each other and draw that out see that the truth of what god's calling you to be so number five a christian encourager is sacrificially generous. Christian encourager is generous. 
So what's more encouraging than someone who comes up to you and says, good job, you have the potential to be such and such. What's more encouraging than that? Well, someone who sells all they have so that you can be such and such, right? Acts 4.36 says, Thus Joseph, who is also called by the apostles Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, a Levi, a native of Cyprus, what did he do? He sold a field that belonged to him and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. So how do they know that Barnabas is invested in what's going on, right? He sold a field and gave and laid the money at the apostles' feet. How encouraging would that have been for the church, the early church? That's when the church was first getting off the ground, and he did that. And then in Acts 11, 27 to 30, as we read, there's a prophecy that there's going to be a famine, and so the church decided to raise some funds and send money to them to support that famine. And who do we think you know, probably influenced that church to do those things. Probably Barnabas, right? So we see multiple times that Barnabas displays sacrificial generosity as being one of the greatest and most fruitful forms of encouragement. In other words, an encourager not only believes in others, he invests in them. In his leaders, his peers, and his disciples, he invests in them. So there's lots of ways to invest. Obviously, financially is one of them. But there's other ways to invest as well, right? Some examples are through prayer, through, through consistently praying for someone and committing to that. Also, another way to invest is just by showing up, right? Just by being there for someone. If someone's going through a hard time, just being there is an encouragement. Or, or like a parent going to a kid's soccer game, just being there is an encouragement, right? In contrast to that, how discouraging is it when people don't show up, you know, if you're organizing something or you're getting a reward for something and you invite people and, and, they, and they're like, yeah, we're coming. And then they don't show up. How discouraging is that? We need to be showing up for one another. That's an encouragement, especially when it doesn't benefit you, especially when it doesn't benefit you. It's such an encouragement. Moving on, we can also invest emotionally as well, right? Uh, maybe by helping someone carry a burden that they're going through or by walking with them in a step of faith. Again, especially when it doesn't benefit you. If, 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 if you're there for someone emotionally when you don't need to be, that's an incredible encouragement. We can also encourage people by doing simple things like baking a cake and leaving it on their doorstep with an encouraging note, Right? You know, just something that, that, I like cheesecake, by the way. Something that, that something that shows, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Something that shows you, you're, you're thinking of them, right? And that, and that you're willing to take the time to, to invest in them and build them up. Because again, an encourager invests in whatever capacity they can and even beyond what they can. Christ-centered investment is sacrificial investment. If you believe in something or someone, then, then you'll give whatever it takes to see them succeed, to see them grow. Which means that the phrase, I'm not going or helping or giving because this doesn't benefit me, that phrase or something like it never comes out of the mouth of an encourager. Rather, a Christ-centered encourager humbly declares with their heart and their actions if this benefits the kingdom in any way, then I'm investing, then I'm showing up, then I'm helping. That's a Christian encourager. They invest. Number six, a Christian encourager is joyful and bold in their encouraging. Acts 11.23, when Barnabas came and saw the grace of God, 
going on in Antioch, he was glad and he exhorted them all to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose. So right, the first thing he, he does when he shows up, like they send Barnabas, the first thing that he does, he sees what's going on. And the first thing he does is joyfully encourage them to keep doing what they're doing. I'm sure that there are things that they were doing wrong, right? So they just had all become Christians, right? I'm sure that they're, you know, they're running their services wrong or meeting together wrong or praying wrong or whatever. I'm, I'm sure he could have pointed out many, many faults in their theology. But the first thing he does when he shows up is encourage them to keep doing what they're doing. As Barnabas demonstrates, then encouragement doesn't wait for birthday cards, doesn't wait for ceremonies, doesn't wait for special events, doesn't wait for something incredibly awesome to happen. But encouragement happens continually, and it happens joyfully, and it happens without holding back. You know, on that on that subject, we I want to encourage you not to wait to encourage somebody. Somebody. Right. I think quite often we mean to say something to someone and we're like, oh, man, like Jubilee sang really good last Sunday. And I meant to say something to her, but I forgot to say something to her. Right. We, we do that all the time. Right. Oh, I meant to say that, but I forgot to say that. So in order to prevent from doing that, if you mean to say something, then do it right away. If you're not with them, call them on the phone, send a text. Right. Encourage. Encouragement needs to happen the moment that God puts it on your heart to encourage them. And we also never know when someone just really needs an encouragement, when someone just really needs a word of encouragement. You know, in fact, I've experienced, you know, someone left me a note a couple of weeks ago, it was sitting on my desk, uh, huge encouragement to me, especially, you know, in times of ministry, you can have times of self-pity and be like, what the heck am I doing here? What's the point of all this, right? And, you know, your times where you just allow the devil to just, you know, give into the lies, right? And, and... A simple note of encouragement. You're doing an awesome job or whatever. Just, you know, lifted me up. Made me realize that, yeah, God is using me, right? It helped me readjust and focus my attitude back onto Christ and what he's doing. And that's not about me and my self-pity, right? So we never know, you know, when a word of encouragement can just help someone and, and, and just lift them up. So don't delay your encouragements, but encourage boldly, encourage joyfully, even if it feels awkward and cheesy. Sometimes I, I don't feel like encouraging someone because like, oh, this is cheesy. I don't want to say anything cheesy. But it doesn't matter. Just do it anyways. Don't let that stop you. And finally, number seven, a Christian encourager is intentional in pointing others to Christ. Colossians 2, 2 to 3 says that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love. Why? To reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So as we just read, and as we saw Barnabas do with Christians in Antioch, encouraging believers into a deeper faith and in relationship with Christ, as well as encouraging unbelievers to believe in Christ, is the reason and underlying purpose that we're called to build one another up. Right? We're, not to, we're not supposed to speak to one another's pride. Right? We're supposed to build them up in their faith. Our encouragement should always result 
in pointing to others to Jesus, whether it's by encouraging them towards Jesus or by your actions being Christ-like in your encouraging, right? Because ultimately, he's the one to whom we find eternal comfort and eternal encouragement. All right, so to, to kind of move into conclusion then, we're not only called to be encouragers, but we need to be encouragers for this church to continue to thrive, for each person in this church to continue to grow, to be effective in proclaiming the name of Jesus for the glory of God. We need to be encouragers. And, and I see encouragement happening in this church all the time, which is amazing and awesome, which is why we have such a great community, but we could always use more. We always need more encouragement. Because it's both culture and atmosphere changing, right? When we start looking for and drawing out the gifts and potential in others, when we start spurring one another on in the way that God's working in them, it's kingdom building and it's unifying when we invest in each other, when we're there for each other with helping hands and words of affirmation and love, right? When we build each other up in the faith and remind each other who we are and what we have in Christ. It's vital, it's exciting, it's filled with joy. And most of all, it's a glorious reflection of who God is. Romans 15, 5 to 6 says, May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus, that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So I just want to encourage you all this morning to continue to be disciples who intentionally encourage one another. And I know that as you do, we'll not only see our ministries and our church community flourish even more, but we'll also grow spiritually in our reliance on God and and maybe even numerically as a result. So continue to encourage one another. Build one another up. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you are a God of encouragement, Lord God. When we think of who you are, And when we think of what you've done for us, Lord, how could we not be encouraged? And so, Lord God, as as we think of the way that you've encouraged us, Lord, I pray that you would teach us to be encouragers of one another, to be your hands and feet, Lord God, in in building one another up and spurring one another on and comforting one another and and assuring one another, Lord God, that, that we would be a church that is constantly focused on treating others as more significant than ourselves, Lord. Being willing to invest and and step aside and walk with each other, Lord. No matter what the sacrifice is, no matter how long it takes, Lord, that we would be a church that, that gives to one another in order to build one another up, in order to see this church grow and flourish, Lord God. We thank you for each person here. I pray that you would encourage them even this morning in their hearts, Lord God, through the, through the power of your Holy Spirit, Lord. And, and, and even as we go through communion, Lord God, and reflect on the cross, Lord, that we would just be incredibly encouraged by who you are and who you've called us to be, Lord. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. So, yeah, we've been looking at what an awesome example Barnabas was as an encourager. But as awesome as he was, he was only a a meager example of the encouragement that we have in Jesus. Jesus is the source of all our encouragement. 
He's the one who declares through the victory of the cross and the grave, take heart, I have overcome the world. Right? Be encouraged, I have overcome the world. In fact, Jesus not only showed up for us, you know, you know, Barnabas traveled four weeks to go get Saul, but Jesus has been doing this for an eternity. And not only did he show up for us, but he came to dwell with us in human form to show us that we're worth it. Even as sinful enemies of God, he never gave up on us, right? He, he pursued us because he saw who God had called us and created us to be, right? He saw our past sinful selves. He saw, sorry, he saw past our sinful selves, right? And he made a way for us to become the potential glorious selves that we were meant to be. And even more than that, Jesus humbly set aside his divinity and glory so that we could be lifted up, so that we could be called children of God. And then he gave up his glorious inheritance so that we could share in it. And because of the joy set before him, he humbly bore the weight of our sinful burdens at the cross. Jesus invested and gave up everything for us. He sacrificed his very life so we could live. And I'm summarizing here, but as Paul says in Philippians, if there is any encouragement, it's Jesus. If there is any encouragement, it's in Jesus. So have this mind among yourselves. Jesus is our encouragement. So as we take communion this morning, as we remember Jesus' sacrifice for us, his body that was broken in our place, his blood that was shed for the forgiveness of our sins, let's be encouraged. He did this for us. He did this for you. His body was broken. His blood was shed for you. So that we could know him, so that we could be set free, so that we could take heart because he has overcome the world.